I'm having a goddamn blast on tour with this Big Mouth and a Small Town tour. So I've added some dates and wanted to let you know where I'm headed next. Uh, yeah, March 14th, I will be in Lakeside, Arizona. And then the 15th and 16th, I'm finally coming to Tucson. So if you're in Tucson, I'm coming to Laughs Comedy Cafe. Get your tickets. We're going to have a good time. My good friend Noah Koffer will be featuring at those shows. He'll also be with me the following weekend when I come to Grand Rapids, Michigan. Dr. Grins, I cannot wait to see you guys again. Those are always some of my favorite shows, and I'm sure this year will be no exception. And then I am headed up to my home state of Alaska for the Alaska Before You Die Fest. Anchorage, you better not fucking sit on these tickets. They're going fast. There's a few left. Uh, April 5th, I will be doing shows at the Gumbo House. It's downtown. I'm doing an early and a late show, one night only. It's an intimate venue, so tickets are limited. It's going to be out of control. If you've come to my show at Coots before, you know how fun they are. This venue is so much better for comedy. I can't even explain it. Just get fucking tickets. These shows are going to be wild. And then on the 6th, I'm headed down to Homer. Homer, Alaska. I am coming, performing there for the first time. Alice's Champagne Palace. And then on the 7th, I will be in Seward, Alaska. So Anchorage, Homer, Seward. We're having a goddamn good time. I'm going to come kill at all those shows because I'm a fucking Alaskan assassin. Am I sorry I said that? I don't know. Listen. Dayton, Kentucky, 12th of April. If you are in the Cincinnati-ish area, Dayton, Ohio, Dayton, Kentucky, this is your chance to see me at a really cool new venue called the Commonwealth Sanctuary. And then I am headed to Portland, May 3rd. I'm headlining the Rip City Comedy Festival. I will be at McMenamin's Mission Theater. You guys, this is a cool theater. We want it to be packed out because, of course I want it to be packed out, but also like, Let's have a goddamn good time in this nice, beautiful theater. So come to that. It's going to be a hell of a time. I can't wait to come back to Portland. And then Wisconsin. I'm headed back your way. But this time I'm coming to Janesville, May 17th and 18th. Green Bay on the 19th. And then what up, Florida? St. Pete, Tampa. I'm coming your way. Uh, Tampa, I will be there June 2nd. And St. Pete, um, they're ahead of that, uh, May 31st. Tampa, I'm at Side Splitters. And if you go to the links in all of my bios or go to their website to get tickets, for a limited time, you can use the code JMS and get $5 off tickets. And wherever you are, I'm trying to get people to buy tickets early instead of waiting to the last minute and making me panic so that if it is going to sell out, it sells out faster so that I know that, the club knows that, maybe we can add a second show. Just FYI, that helps every artist that you're a fan of. So if you can ever buy ASAP, go ahead and do that. Uh, So that's your incentive to buy early in Tampa. And uh, uh, I'll be adding more dates soon. If you did not hear your town, but you want me to come there, head over to my Instagram, instagram.com slash jmscomedy or just at jmscomedy if you're using the app like most of us. Uh, click the link in my bio, join my email list. That lets me know where you guys are so I know what areas want to come see me. Uh, so do that. I can't wait to get to more cities. I'm having so much fucking fun on the road. You guys have been amazing. People have been buying merch. These audiences have been out of control, good, just electric, laughing, having a blast. And I know all these upcoming shows are going to be no exception. So I will see you there jmscomedy.com slash shows to get your tickets. Tell your friends. Tell your enemies. We're going to have a fucking good time either way. So thanks for listening to this little promo. Enjoy this episode. Ta-ta, idiots. 
What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. What kind of ignorant shit is that? At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. You idiot, you fool! Hey, dummy! This is the Ignorance is Blessed podcast. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. Hey, idiots. At this point, I am delirious with recording these into a, a void. So I apologize if the last episode in the countdown had any wonky sound things or you're hoping to hear more about Madison. She uh, has since that episode gone on to produce for The Circle. She was uh, a main character on Single Drunk Female. She was on Barry on HBO. She's doing a lot, living her life. And that's that. But that is not why we're here for this episode. This is episode 21 in the top. Oh, my God. Is this episode 21? <gasps> oh, my God. After this, that means we go to the top 20. Oh, my God. Ha! <laughs> huh. All right. And what uh, an episode to round out the first half of the countdown. This is Creating Pretty Funny Women with Lisa Sunstead. She has the longest-running all-female comedy showcase. She does coaching for women, comedians. At this, I think we recorded this at her house, and she has since sold her house. I think in this episode she was talking about opening a studio or had just opened a studio on Melrose. Unfortunately, like right when the pandemic hit, she closed that down. Someone else bought it. It closed down. Apparently, it's a hard room to run. But she's still doing a lot of showcases, <coughs> showcases getting giving women their starts or – some of them, they're, uh, you know, little five minutes of fame uh, at stand-up if they're just trying to do it for fun. There's a mix of both, and we talk about all that here. Oh, and my yawning is not a reflection of this episode. It's, as you know, me falling apart. So, enjoy this episode, and enjoy Lisa. Episode 21 with Lisa Sunstead. Half the time it sounds like someone's being murdered uh, in the bike. And it's just kids screaming. Hi, you guys, we're on. <laughs> um, you guys, <laughs> I'm here with Lisa Sunstead. The, hi. Um, hi. Amazing founder of Pretty Funny Women, which is the longest running, right? All female? It's the longest running all female comedy show, I think, in the world. I It's been running since 1995. That's yeah. a long time. That's such a long time. It's like, I can't believe you started running a show when you were born. That's crazy. Oh, Can you believe it? I was like... 13. <laughs> I'm, are you listening, Hollywood? Um, and the brand new uh, Pretty Funny Women podcast, which is yes, exciting. Yes, just launched it on Monday. Yeah, so everyone go check that out. Um, I don't know. Let's just dive in. because okay, let's do it. You're wonderful. You're like one of the first women I met when I moved to LA. Oh, really? Yeah, I was like, how do I comedy? And then someone's like, you got to do Lisa shows. Well, how did you meet me? Okay, well, I had this manager who it turns out didn't really know much about comedy, but he had definitely seen your flyers. Okay. <laughs> and he's and he had seen you, like specifically. He's like, Lisa Sunset, she does all female comedy shows. Reach out to her. Um, this is like the same manager who, like, I'd be like, have you heard anything about the show? And he'd send me links to websites that were like open submissions. And I was like, okay, uh, thank you. God. But... I think I emailed you and was like, hey, I want to do your show. You know, like I'd barely done any comedy. And you're like, cool. Well, you have to come to my class. Oh, I said that? Yeah, you're like, I mean, you didn't say it like that. You're like, well, you know, all my shows are showcases of former students. So if you're interested. And I was like, okay. <laughs> um, and then I signed up and 
came. Who was in that class? Let me see. Because uh, I met, I didn't know anyone when I came to LA and I've made some of my closest friends that I still talk to. Um, Angelina Spicer. Aww. And I just shot a film with her. She did a whole, she just produced a whole short film. Wonderful. Yeah. And she's yeah, doing all this her. stuff. She's the best. And then. She's a hustler too. She she's is. like you. She's a hard worker. Yeah. She grinds. And with a baby. I'm like, I'm supposed to have her on my podcast soon too. Cause I'm like. How do you, I can't even take care of myself. I know. I know. I can't either. And then Maria Zirianova. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen her in a while, but she's. I don't know what she's up to. I, I worry about her. Maria, are you out there? <laughs> Have you been murdered by the Russian mafia? I what don't know. What happened to you, Maria? I know. Uh, Margaret, that older woman who was like a she, chiropractor. Chiropractor. Yes, she is my chiropractor. I have been meaning to reach out to her and go see her. She's the best. I had a problem and it was like my feet weren't walk. Uh, my feet were not. In, li- in alignment. Oh, no. And I went and saw her, and she fixed it in two sessions. And then you were done? I'm done. Never That's went back. That's a sign of a good chiropractor. Oh, she's really good and oh, gentle I- and not, you know, scary. Yeah, because some of them, I've seen videos where it's like, you're going to break somebody's neck. I know. I don't like that. And also, it's like when someone goes to their chiropractor every week, and I'm like, like for the rest of your life, when yeah. do you... Yeah, what is that? Shouldn't you eventually not have to go if they're doing their job? Yeah, yeah. Um, I sometimes wonder that with therapy. Yes. You were going to say that. (laughs) Like you should graduate at some point. Yeah. Like at some point are they like, you don't need to come here. My therapist said that I only need to come every two weeks now. Really? Yes. That's a huge. I said to her, I said, you know, you've helped me with so many issues. I feel pretty good. What do you think? And she goes, well, we can go down to two weeks and then eventually it'll be as needed. That's so, congrats. Thank That's you. huge. Yeah. I love my therapist so much. You do? She's helped <sighs> me with everything. It's amazing finding a good therapist. Because yeah. for a long time, I was just the like, I don't know how I feel about therapy. And then I realized, oh, you kind of, it's like dating in a way. You kind of have to find a good fit. You do. Well, you have to be referred. Yes. You can't just cold call therapists. And be like, hi, who are you? Can you help me? Yeah, because you have to take the first few sessions to figure out if you like them or not. You, we, you weed out all the losers if you just ask your friend. I, my best friend is now going to my therapist. Really? Yes, I, I referred her and she loves her. Gosh, I got a referral to a therapist from a friend and I haven't... I mean, my therapist isn't awful, but... <laughs> I'm like, oh, I should she's not listening. <laughs> Are you listening? No, she's been nice, but like, I don't know. I don't know. Are you learning anything? Are you growing? My thing about therapy and I don't know. So far, it seems like most of what works for me in therapy is I'm just talking and then I realize something mm. without her pointing anything out. I'll just go, oh, okay. that's why I'm doing this. And then she sort of just goes like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like. Is that just how it works for me in general? Or or is she like, oh, yes, I was I was going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. She's easy I, to talk to. Yeah, Ugh. I don't know. Mine is very knowledgeable about any subject I bring up. Yeah. And she were, was like the medical director. She's a doctor. And That's great. She's a medical director of like a treatment center. So she knows about addiction. She knows about mental illness. She knows everything. Oh, that's great. Because then you can kind of ask about yeah, anything. Yeah, she gets me. Yeah, sometimes I wonder if I'm too codependent to the point that like if I had a bad therapist, I'd be like, well, I can't leave. I don't want to hurt her feelings. Yeah. She needs the work. <laughs> yeah. You know what my therapist said to me the very first session? I, I was explaining to her my background and she goes, I don't ever want you to feel like you have to take care of my feelings. 
I never want you to feel responsible for me. So we're going to start on time. We're going to end on time. You're going to pay me the minute you walk in. We're going to set really clear boundaries and you never have to worry about me. Yeah. You're like, this is, she's like, this is a business relationship. You don't have to get. Yeah. I loved it. What a blessing. I know. Because for anyone who has those kind of issues where you chronically worry about other people, Mm -hmm. codependence, where you're like, how can Mm I, oh God. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, that can be hard. That was my relationship with my mom. I always felt like I was emotionally responsible for her growing up. <gasps> really? Yes. I had the same thing. Does your mom have um, like addiction stuff? Yes. Or, uh, that must have yes. been so hard. Yeah, she drank, then she gambled. Oh my God. She quit drinking and then immediately switched, switched to, gambling. to gambling. She went to the racetrack every day. Oh my God, my mom is a, a gambling addict too. Really? Yeah, not racetracks though. It's just like the amount of money my mom has been able to lose on penny slots is astounding. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, how can you, they're penny slots. I have never met somebody whose mother was a compulsive gambler. I think it's my mom nice is just a compulsive, you, whatever that. she can get mm. her hands on. So would she go to casinos a lot? Yeah. Well, luckily I guess in Alaska, there wasn't really anywhere to go for gambling. So it really kind of shows its head when she gets out of Mm. Well, she's in South Korea now. And so that's like all she does for fun is there's just a casino on base mm-hmm. and yeah. just goes to the casino. Oh, that's where I would be every night. I have a real problem with gambling. Yeah. Yes, I do. Oh, man. How does that? Okay. Did you because you used to perform in Vegas all the time, right? Yes. Was and it? I lost. I lose my <laughs> paychecks every time. I just did a gig last year at La, in Laughlin for an, uh, an AA convention. Oh, wow. And I lost my entire paycheck and oh. more. Oh no, mm-hmm. that's even harder because it's like <laughs> after a 12 step thing, you're like, everyone just keep working the steps. <laughs> and you just. I stepped right out of my gig and right onto the video poker room. Oh that's no, it's hard. It's, well, I love it so much. That's the problem is like you can't quit something if you're not done with it. No. You have to hit a bottom or you have to know you're done. And uh, I just. I like it. I wish I didn't like it. Yeah. It can be hard. Well, they also have done research and make those machines and stuff now even more. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it creates dopamine in your brain. Yeah, just the it little bells a and the you get one little win. Yep. I'm not kidding. Multiple women in my family have pissed their pants <laughs> a slot machine on a heater. Like Why? Because they don't Because they just refuse to get up. Yeah. People wear diapers. It's weird. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. Where it's like, just go to another machine. I've never done that. Uh, but you know, there's still time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So that's kind of like... That's my one thing I have left. Like, I quit. Uh, I don't smoke. I don't drink. I don't do any drugs. I don't... Um, uh, I don't eat sugar anymore. I <gasps> eat very little sugar. Good for you. Yeah, every once in a while I will, but no, I had to stop that. Yeah. Um, it's hard to get rid of. It's. I think it's totally, it's not as hard as people think to get down to one vice. Yeah. But it's that last one because I have always gone back and forth between two. Oh, have you? Yeah. What, what's your vice? I'm, I'm food and sex, like very much a sugar addict and mm. just like, I, I didn't realize I emotionally ate until I started trying to eat clean for like physical health reasons because mm-hmm. I have infl- like I have a autoimmune thing so I have inflammation in my body and I was like reading about it so so I just thought yeah I'll just quit eating like garbage and then I'm just like and you crave oh, all that stuff, oh right? god and then I'm crying all the time and I'm like oh I've been shoveling this feeling in with a cupcake my whole life yeah I know god it, the sugar thing is really hard it doesn't get enough credit as an addiction either well because people who do heroin are like yeah yeah all right pussy <laughs> Well, my therapist said sugar is evil. Yes. 
She does say it's it's really bad. How long have you been off of sugar? Well, no, I'm not totally off of it, but I've cut it down. I used to binge on cookies every yeah. night. Oh. Because I serve cookies for my class. And that's what, because I was just like, I had some cookies when I came to your class to speak the other night. Yes. And I was like, how did she do it? I serve them and um, I don't keep them in the house anymore. I keep them out there. They're just in the separate. But they used to be in my house and I would be like, in the middle of the night, I'd wake up and I'd be like, oh. There's cookies in the cover, and I'd go and eat like ten of them, at, like two in the morning. You can't do that. We were just like, mm, well, then you go back to bed. Ballooned up again, like tw- thirty pounds in a year. Oh no! And it's all just like middle of the night. Yeah. Were you? Do you take anything to sleep? Are you one of those? I take melatonin now. Okay, because I know I've heard of like ambient eating too is even worse. Uh, yeah, no, but you know what? My meds, Abilify and sometimes Seroquel, they're um, they're bipolar meds. They're uh, they're antipsychotics. Psychotics. It sounds so intense. Yeah, like anti-fun. Am I right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they do make you hungry. They do. And they make oh. you crave carbs and sugar. Oh, that's got to be rough. And guess what? Abilify has a bunch of lawsuits against it for gambling. <gasps> if you become a gambling addict, call this number. But get in on that. Are you kidding? Take advantage. I don't Gamble know. on the lawsuit, you Lisa. You to, to prove it. It seems like a lot of work. Oh, but can't God. you just show that one paycheck from Laughlin and be like, yeah, they ruined exactly. my life. If I showed my credit card debt. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, so you take both of those for bipolar. Mm, I only take Seroquel when I'm in a manic episode to calm. Okay. So know. it's that one's as needed. Yes. Okay. Um, let's get into that. Cause I feel like a lot of comedians struggle with types of depression, depression, bipolar. Yes. Um, how long have you been diagnosed? I was diagnosed in 1996. Was that right after you started? Pretty funny women. Yeah. Did you start it in a hypomanic episode? Were uh, you like, I'm going to, no, but I wrote my one woman show, make room for Lisa. <laughs> manic episode. Make room for Lisa. I love the name of that show, especially as something written in a yes. manic episode. Make room for Lisa. And it was a one woman musical. And I wrote, original songs and sang and did scenes and that's incredible yeah it was crazy i mean come on i don't i am starting i wonder now that i'm in the middle of like getting ready to do my one woman show at edinburgh i was definitely hypomanic and Mm -hmm. like i wonder if any one woman show has ever been written in like (laughs) just a clear comment everyone's like i'm just gonna sit down and write this where they're not like i've got an idea it's a huge undertaking it is because i started and i was you know that's the thing about episodes like that where you're like, if I can get it done before this ends, I'm good. Yeah. But when you're like halfway through and then it fizzles and you're like, oh, what have I done? Yeah. I ran mine for eight weeks at the HBO. I mean, at HBO Workspace for two nights and then at the Improv. That's Up- right. The Improv uh, used to have a theater upstairs. I don't know if they do No, that It was like... I can't remember what it was. Was it called. still called The Lab? I know it's called The Lab it next door. Lab. It was called The Improv... I can't remember. What I it remember it was a great Many show. Years ago, you, but you. Oh, I just remember it. people talking about it. I thought that was before I saw Make it. But room like for Lisa, I swear, I swear, I don't know if it was like a female comedian. Maybe I'm thinking of your other one, Bipolar Bear. Bipolar Bear was a good yeah, show. Yeah, okay. Make room for Lisa was ridiculous. <laughs> okay. I was so manic and out of my mind, and oh I thought God. I was going to be a star, and it was just so stupid. Was that? Wait, was that before you got diagnosed? Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah, I got diagnosed like in the middle of it. Like, and you're like, oh. My mom was like, what's wrong with you? Why are you talking so fast? And why are you drinking so much? Because I was drinking like five screwdrivers a night just to calm down because I was so manic. <gasps> yes. That's a, such a huge thing for me when I, I realized like 
I don't think I have a in general for me a drinking problem. Mm-hmm. But I do know when I get like that high energy, it's like I need something to like slow me down. Yeah, you want to calm down. Yeah. Now, are you diagnosed with bipolar? I'm not diagnosed with di- bi- bipolar. <laughs> the pun intended for all of the <laughs> almost suicide attempts. But like, um, bipolar. No, I also don't think I've stayed with a therapist long enough to get honest enough mm-hmm. <laughs> for them to fully diagnose me with anything. I'm. I've just been with this therapist I'm with, and she's the first one I've seen in years. Um, since probably late August, but I'm gone so much that it's very sporadic. Oh, you mean it's only been a year? Yeah. Okay. So, and I don't really like when I'm gone, we were talking about doing like phone sessions, but we haven't. So there's just been months at a time where I don't see her. And so I don't know if I would get diagnosed as anything or if I just, you're very calm and normal to me. I mean, you're, you're not a crazy weirdo yeah thank you i've never seen you be manic yeah i also think i've gotten more of a handle on it but i also think like manic for me i think that i i realized in the last year just doing my own self-work that i sort of identified with the depressed parts of me Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. i was emotionally tied to that's who i was as a person so that instead of going oh i have bad days but i also have good days i'd have a good day and since i so identified with being this sad person i'd be like i must be in some sort of a manic episode and it's like no you're just happy (laughs) like that's normal but at the time i was like i'm i'm acting crazy i had a cup of coffee and like (laughs) And my friends who are actually bipolar are probably like, go fuck yourself. <laughs> I tried to light my house on fire. And I'm like, I know, it's wild. I wrote half a show. and But no, I've never been diagnosed with anything. I went to a therapist in 2012 for depression. Like, because I was pretty deeply like suicidal. Really? Yeah. Um, was it, it situational? Did something it, well, There wasn't a th- one thing that spurred it, but I think... I have a ton, I had a ton of like, I still do have like suppressed shit from my childhood and I think mm-hmm. it was just starting to bubble up mm-hmm. and I went through like a breakup. I was in an, I guess, yeah, I was in an abusive relationship and I broke up with someone. Oh shit. But I think I didn't go, oh, it's because of this. It was just like, my brain. And that was yeah. the first time I drank to like try to just shut off my brain because it was like, it was an energized depression, if that makes sense. Where like the thoughts were shitty, but they were oh, constant. Racing thoughts. Yeah. yeah. Um, and were you able to eat or did you not eat? Um, I was not eating. Mm. Ugh, glory days. Yeah, I love those. <laughs> those are the best. When I'm like, okay, if I just ride this out till I lose 10 more pounds and make it through. I don't eat when I'm manic, but when I'm depressed, I, all I want is to eat pizza. Yeah, it's usually how I am when I get like the high energy. Mm-hmm. In New York, I was barely eating because I feed off that energy. I think I'm just really extroverted. New York I, is fun. And I just feed off the energy around me. Yeah. Yeah. But... I had a therapist when I went, I was like, I don't know, I'm depressed. And I was was telling her about my life. And she was this Russian woman who was like, you're not depressed. You've had a terrible life. This is a normal emotional response, which she's probably not wrong. But that like changed a whole bunch of things in my head for me. Like, oh, well, that's good. She called it out. Yeah. Well, because but then I was like, cool. Is there a a pill for that? Or (laughs) should I just keep drinking? (laughs) Because you're like, well, shit, where do you go from there? So I think that sort of catap- catapulted my personal, let me try to do this the yeah, foo-foo self-help way. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's, I mean, every, there's stuff for everybody. This isn't about me. Let's get back to you. <laughs> oh, well. I just I start like crying at your desk. Of, I love this stuff. <laughs> well, I, well, that's the thing is, 
Me too. I'm so fascinated. My favorite by topic. It. And it's what's a so you got diagnosed in the middle of that show. Mm-hmm. How long did it take? Did you immediately go like get me on these meds, or were you? Uh, no, uh, a doctor. Okay, so I went to a gynecologist because I had severe depression. And oh, my, wow. And my best friend said, this isn't normal because I said, I have depression three weeks out of the month. It, I think it's PMS and I get <laughs> suicidal. And she's like, that's not normal. You need help. So I went to my gynecologist and I said, I have like really bad PMS. And three goes, months out, of, three weeks out of the month. Yeah, and he goes, oh, let me just put you on Paxil. So he puts me on this <gasps> antidepressant called Paxil. Oof. And within two weeks, I was fully manic. Oh, he wow. He did say, come back and see me in a month. And I never did. And I was just flying. flying. You're like, I don't need the doctor. I feel better. Yeah, it was just incredible, this high I felt. And uh, then I crashed. And oh, I wow. went back to see him because I was like what's called rapid cycling, where your moods are going to the extremes in Up like and down. minutes. <gasps> oh. Yes. And he said to me, okay, Lisa, you're, he asked me a series of questions. He's like, are you sleeping? I'm like, don't need it. And he's like, have you been hypersexual? And I'm like, blowing everybody. <laughs> I mean, there was just like a million. Every, yes, we're one in the question. same. And he goes, you're bipolar. You're in an episode. And if you don't get on lithium immediately, you're going to have to be hospitalized. Oh, wow. And I started crying. And I said, I'm not bipolar. My brother's bipolar. It runs in my family. I know what that looks like. And I don't have it. Yeah. Because <laughs> my brother has bipolar one as well and he's been hospitalized several times but he goes into psychosis oh yeah like he has psychotic breaks and so that's what i thought bipolar looked like oh wow because you're like that was your whole image of it and you're like well i'm not doing that i'm just yeah i'm just energized and so i left his office i didn't listen to him and then it just got progressively worse and then i was i was i should have been hospitalized but my boyfriend at the time took me to a really good shrink and the shrink said you're bipolar you need to be on, I'm going to give you this medication called Depakote and I want you to call me tonight and tell me how it's working for you. And he just monitored me every day. Every day. And he told me, he goes, you've been high for three to four months. You're going to have a really bad crash. I'm putting you on disability and you know, you're going to be very low. And he was right. Because coming from the high. Yeah. Was it? Oh, wow. I spent two to three months alone in bed. (gasps) Oh, my heart. Uh, Suicidal. Oh, my gosh. I'm so sorry. Yeah, I was like writing sad, dark poetry and suicide notes. Yeah. Oh, gosh. And then and then it was September 29th, 1996. I'll never forget this. I woke up and I was like, oh, my God, I can't. Like, I can't do another day of this. Like, this is going to be my last day here. Oh, wow. And I said a prayer. And then this voice said, go get a puppy. I swear to God. Oh, my God. I was like, get a puppy. And, and I was like, well, OK, God told me to get a puppy. So I get a recycler. I call the first ad and, and it's like puppies, you know, so I call yeah. the guy. I was like, do you have puppies? <laughs> I was like oh. crying. He's like, yes, we have one left. He was a British guy. He goes, you can. Can I go? Can I go. Can I come over now? And he's like, well, I. I suppose. So I drove <laughs> to Silver Lake and I walk in and he's like, well, that's the puppy and that's her mother. Her mother's name is Murphy. I, this accent's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to talk regular. He goes, this is the puppy and that's her mother. Her mother's name is Murphy. I go, I'll take the puppy and I'll take the name Murphy. <laughs> and so I took the puppy and named she it saved Murphy. my life. Yep. Oh my gosh. Yeah. 
That's incredible. She saved my life because she forced me to get out every day. I had to go for a walk to take her out. And not just and getting out. And something to focus on and take care of. Instead and, of thinking about the way you were feeling. Yes. Because I feel like that's... So lonely. Yeah. Were you just so... Oh, my like, God. I, I sympathize and feel horrible for anybody going through that kind of depression. Because the chemicals in your brain... I mean, your brain is not working right, right? The wiring's all... Uh, and the... And the chemicals are literally firing negative thoughts over and over again. Just like the worst thoughts. Like, you shouldn't be here. You should die. You're horrible. Nobody loves you. Everything's Uh, bad. And you're just tired. And you're like, I just want it to stop. I don't want to keep... Nothing sounds fun. I mean, it was so hard. That was the hardest thing I'd ever been through in my life. Oh, my gosh. I'm glad you made it through. Thank Thank you, you. Murphy and God. Thank (laughs) you. I don't have those kinds of depressions anymore because of my meds oh wow so you find you like found, found stuff that worked right, with you uh yeah i found did the right you have to go right. through a couple i had to go through a lot oh man how yeah. long have you been on stuff that worked i've been stable let's see i've been with my boyfriend for six and a half years he's, <gasps> ne- he's never seen me on a in a manic episode that's impressive he's seen me get hypomanic where he's like uh yeah you need to call your shrink wow but he's never seen me manic well it went good for him for like being able to recognize that and being supportive about it oh my god he's so wonderful because that's so hard to find he's the best yeah i mean that's amazing he produces my podcast he's the one that told me to do the podcast that's he was like you need to do this you're good at this this is what you do you do voiceovers you can interview people you have lots of female comics in your life and i was like i don't want to do it i was scared yeah it took me and i'm i mean i just kind of got off my ass and did mine myself but I had the idea for a, you know, not that it's like, oh, I, like I invented podcasts or some shit, but like, <laughs> I was like, here's the name, here's what I want to do. And then I sat on it for like two years before I was like, eh. I was so scared. I had so much resistance and I don't know what I was scared of. I think it's because I don't like to try anything new. And yeah. So and then he, it's like another thing to promote. And you're yeah. Like, Are people going to be promote? like, I don't want to ask people to listen to it. So I, uh, he went to the store for me. He went to Guitar Center, bought all this equipment, brought it home. He's like, you're doing it. I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna produce it for you. So then I hired Sharon Houston, a friend of mine. To come I love over. Sharon. And Sharon teaches you all the technical parts. I love that. But I'm not good with technology, so, so I said sh- to Steve, I go, I want you to sit in on this, and you listen and you learn. Yeah. And so he learned everything from her, and then he's produces the whole thing. What an amazing like t- just to have he, that rock and that support system. He's just the system. best partner ever, and he's so even keeled. He's just uh, you know consistent, normal guy. Do you think that's kind of important for? eccentric i don't like as a like person with bipolar but also a comedian do you think it makes more sense to have a partner yeah. who's yeah grounded because I, mean, I stay you need to have that balance falling in love with people who are i don't think two comedians can be together i think that'd be really hard i think it would too but but then you're attracted to comedians yeah and yeah. it's like what i'm around whatever i'm not worried about it now but but my boyfriend gets comedy that's what i love about him like that's he's important. not trying to be funny or he's never on and he'll he's the first one to tell you i'm not funny she's the funny one oh uh, which, which is good is so rare for a man yeah right? cuz some men are really trying to one up you i mean most men think they're funny god i'm not kidding i dated someone briefly at the beginning of this year and it was in retrospect sort of a rebound from like couple months after like a heartbreak but boy the amount (laughs) confidence i mean just blind confidence or i'd say something and he'd be like here's how you can make that funny and put it in your act and i'd be like no 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 absolutely not we're not doing that he was telling you how to do comedy yeah was he a comedian no 
Yeah, that's when it was like I romanticized it in my head because I was like, look at this guy. He's nice. Not a comedian. Like I was so proud of myself for being like, see, I don't have to date comedians. And then I was like, but he had an ego. You don't shut the fuck up. (laughs) Yeah. And just I never used the word mansplain until I dated him. Yeah. (laughs) And he would just literally try to explain very simple common sense things to me as if he's like, well, this what that means is. And I'd be like, gross. I hope you die in a fire. Yeah, that gives me the grossed out feeling. Ugh. Do you get the grossed out feeling from men? Yeah. yeah. And more and more lately. That's the weird thing, too, is that I have found, like, I know a few minutes ago, I was like, I can get down to, like, my two vices, but I don't have, like, I used to have crazy sex, like, sex drive and just be like, I think I was partly filling a void or, like, just mm. like a, the same same way that, like, when you're, you know, you might like drink to suppress stuff. I think there was something with sex, but lately, oh, I like, will just look at men or I can see through them hitting on me and I'm like, ew. Yeah, it doesn't, you don't have that same. Like I think I have to now be super into someone, which isn't weird, but I was so flippant about my sexuality for so long mm-hmm. that it's now feels weird to not have that be part of my identity. Mm-hmm. Well, I was never a sex addict, but I was a love addict. That's what I... I went to SLAA. Yeah, and you're like, addiction. and I sucked so many dicks there. <laughs> and then the, uh, the, the Facing Love Addiction by PM Melody is a good book. Oh, I might if have to read that. If you're a love addict, yeah. If you have these patterns where you are attracted to unavailable people, mm. and then you pine for them. And if they become available, you don't like them anymore. It's like a whole cycle. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's interesting. The love addict is usually attracted to the love avoidant. Okay. Avoidance addict. And then that person's usually an addict of some kind, like a sex addict or a drug addict. Drug addict. You try and <laughs> fix them. Th- yeah. 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 I definitely have like the codependence-ish, just like the child of an alcoholic tendency to be mm-hmm. like, let me, I don't know how to love someone without trying to fix them mm. or help them. Yeah. Which isn't, isn't all bad, I think, but I know there's like a line. That's the weird thing about codependency. Have you ever been to Al-Anon? No, but you know I've been it? wanting to go forever. It's I just. so good. Yeah. It's so helpful. I need to go. I think I just, I think there's something subconscious in me that my mom drugged me to so many AA meetings. Oh, did she? That I think I'm like put off by it. Yeah. Because my mom that. was one of those. I mean, the sobriety is different for everyone. She was one of those people that it had to become her whole identity. She just became obsessed with sobriety instead of drinking. Mm-hmm. She just gets like she obsessive. Yeah. yeah. And so she's like, where's the little triangle necklace and is one day at a time, all the posters and shit. Is she still sober? Um, according to the people at her AA meeting. Yes. According to every time I've seen her on vacation. Absolutely not. Oh, but really? She's a, I think, and I think maybe she only does it when we do go on vacation, but the amount that I've caught her drinking the last like, the last three times I've seen her, which granted, I don't see my mom that much, but, but I've she's either snuck booze or just been like, I'm on vacation to the point that I'm like, has she ever actually been sober or was she just lying the oh whole time? God. And was yeah. she like that your whole childhood? Um, She got sober when I was in about like fifth or sixth grade. My mom's got, she's got borderline personality disorder. Oh God. So That's the worst walking in, stop walking on eggshells. Have you read that book? No, I need to. Oh God. It's just the title. Book. Like I'm like, 
Yeah, it's called Stop Walking on Eggshells. Because that's it's all about borderline personality disorder. It's it's so difficult to deal with. And she was one of those, because I don't know how familiar you are with it. But I'm very familiar with it. I've done a lot of reading and I know people and I have students who openly talk about it with me. So I've studied it. Yeah, it's to the point where it's like one, one of the girls, well, it doesn't matter. I'm going to be like, one of the girls at the class the other day just threw it out. And like, it's totally fine. It's like fine to be aware of and like you're working on it and like, yes, acknowledge your things. But just because of my mom, when people do that, I like can feel myself a little go like, mm-hmm. like, oh no. Well, most people who have it don't, they can't be told. Yeah. So they can't see their part. They can't own up to their problems. Yeah. When I you can't talk to them about it. No. Cause I remember it was that same year that I started going to that therapist in 2012 and I was really suicidal. I don't know why this is like a testament to how low I was that I called my mom because I don't talk to my mom and I was like I gotta call somebody because I was like going crazy and which is not a term you know PC whatever but like I was like I'm gonna end my life I should call my mom (laughs) maybe and I'm so flippant about it but I mentioned that I was like I I don't know how I came up but I was like do you know anything about borderline personality disorder because my therapist had like mentioned after like me talking about my mom she's like well you know maybe it sounds kind of like this and I'd been reading a little bit about it and my mom's like oh yeah I'm textbook borderline personality disorder several therapists have said that to me and I'm like what a borderline thing to say is like mom admitted it flippantly though she's like yeah of course and then when I told her i was like i feel like i'm acting i'm doing like the actions of an alcoholic without the drinking and she's like yeah you're the child of an alcoholic <laughs> like just oh so flippantly and she very much That's is like so hard to grow up like that it is and she was one of the because i think borderline parents are very i mean splitting is a huge thing with borderline they either love you or they hate you and they'll yes. switch at any minute idealizing and then vilifying yes and my mom was very much because a lot of times they say especially moms and daughters they either love their daughter too much or they despise him. And my mom hated me. What? Yeah. And we're fine now. So I don't know. Wonderful. I don't know. She just, I think she hated, I think she, it was an internalized like oh, hatred toward kids. women, I think. Well, oh. here's the weird thing is like, uh, she loved my brother. He was also uh, kind of special needs. He had a learning disability, a bit of a problem child. And I think she also doesn't know how to love without trying to fix too Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i think that's the thing i maybe get from her and i was pretty i was a really smart kid and kind of independent but also i think it was some sort of female mother daughter oh you poor thing i mean you do need therapy you need to be processing all this stuff i'm working on it 12-step program would probably benefit you yeah so anyway i like digressed but i think there's a little like i don't know why i'm like triggered or something by the idea of like the 12 steps and traditions of i understand but i yeah i should a good meeting yeah and it's like when i think about the steps independently i'm like oh yeah that's a good thing to do like self-evaluating and like making amends Mm -hmm. which is so funny the amount Mm -hmm. my mom like goes on and on about the program and working the steps i'm like that bitch ain't never made amends to me (laughs) she probably doesn't do it no but wow it's one of those where you just go oh is it an ego thing where just in general how people sort of like attach little things to their identity but they're not really into them not even yeah sobriety but they're like oh yeah i'm a big i love the dodgers and it's like you just own a dodgers hat yeah <laughs> like, but her dodgers hat <laughs> is 12 Dodger steps yeah, is the serenity prayer <laughs> <laughs> yeah um wow i bet you see a lot of women who are just all over the the I, board with like I lifestyles and over a thousand people come through my 
program. Wow. A thousand girls. Yeah. There, some girls will be like, hey, Lisa, and I'll run into them and I'll be like, I'm sorry, I don't know. Like, I can't. Well, you didn't make an impression. And I feel terrible <laughs> about it. But also, Lamictal, which is another drug I'm on, makes you lose your memory. So <gasps> is I, that scary? Yeah, because I, I have a problem. Like, I can't remember people's names very well. I can't, like, I don't know who you are right now. <laughs> <laughs> I know your name starts with a J, but I just... Yes, um, I'm Jessica Simpson. (laughs) Things are not as they seem on television. No, I've had... That's scary. so many interesting people come through my... I mean, you know, 90% of the women who take my class don't want to be stand-up comic. That's what I was just going to ask you, if there was a percentage. Yeah, 90%. They just want to try it. It's like either just a bucket list or like they're an actress or they're trying to find what their creative thing is. They want confidence. They want, you know... And um, yeah, and I meet the most interesting, fascinating people. I've I've had porn stars take my class. Amazing. I've had, I've uh, one. This girl just graduated last night. She's a nurse. Oh wow! I had a girl who was recruited for the FBI. That's amazing. Who went to Quantico? What? Yes, I've had. Um, well, strippers and I mean, you name it. I've moms. That's incredible. Yeah. Wow, that's so funny because I feel like what would keep me from ever... I mean, there's a million things that would keep me from doing lots of things, but doing a comedy class is I feel like I'd be some sort of like crazy boot camp like you gotta want it like, oh. would be like i just want to get learn five minutes and i'm like no it's a grind and they'd be like she's terrifying yeah no i i because i love what you do well i'm i ask them to go to open mics yeah and, but i do tell them you know this is your eight weeks you can spend it how you want to but just for the next eight weeks why don't you pretend like you want to be a comic yeah immerse yourself really try yes. like dive into that see world. if you like it yeah and i love that and the girls do. They go to open mics. They bond. They have writing sessions. Yes. And then they never do it again. Yeah. Graduate it's so funny. Done. Like real, real life. Like some of those girls from like class. I mean, we were going to mics every night. So close. And for a while in my mind, I was like, oh, yeah, like we're all going to be out here grinding. And then like as soon as the class ended, I was like, I guess I'm the only one that actually. Yeah. You guys are just you just were doing the class. Okay. Yeah. I'm alone now. Yeah. There are uh, no one. I mean, not and nobody that you mentioned from that class is still doing stand-up. Yeah, they're, think, they're being creative. Yeah, and I think Angelina every once in a while still gets oh, up, but she doesn't. No, Angelina Spicer, yeah, she's definitely Yeah, yeah she still gets up, but she does more like sketch and... But yeah, there was a few girls... I mean, there's a lot of people I don't remember from that class too. I, I think mean, I have a poster of you out. You do. I think that... Uh, was Kimri in that class? Yes, Kimri. She's crushing it. Was she, was she in the class or was she the host? Oh, maybe she was the host. Yeah, she's doing phenomenal. She's right doing now. phenomenal. She just got a sitcom. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you guys. She's amazing. Kimmy yeah. Davis. Kimmy Lewis, Lewis Davis. Davis. Yes. Check Amigdal. her out, guys. <laughs> I got to have her on my podcast. You you have to. Yeah. 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. She, yeah. I. It's so interesting, too, because when I got in, I was like, I guess this is just a bunch of women who want to be comedians. And I remember being like, surely some of these people don't. <laughs> yeah you don't seem like you care that much all yeah. like hoity-toity like i'm grinding like who the fuck am i no one but <laughs> that's so fascinating do you ever are there as someone who has like seen so many women and also ha- has had their own like journey with mental illness do you ever see women and you're like oh she doesn't know that she's um i've i've seen a lot of girls that are 
are alcoholics. Wow. Because they talk about it in their act. They Do they go about, like, I'm an alcoholic, or they just talk no, about drinking all the time? They talk about and you're their like, drinking stories and their DUIs and their blackouts, and their and that's like the majority of their act revolves around drinking stories, and I'm like, huh, I'm saving a seat for you in AA. Yeah, you're like, <laughs> I'll be there when you need me. And then I've had a lot of girls come to me privately and say, you know, I would like to come to a meeting with you, you know, so... Oh, that's great. Yeah, because I'm, I'm very open about the fact that it's I'm It's great that you do that. I think that some people, like, I get why AA and everything is anonymous and, like, the importance of anonymity to some people, but I think it's good that there are people open about it because mm-hmm. when you see someone you look up to and you go, like, oh, they don't, they didn't always have it all together, quote, or, like, they all, they're a human and they struggle. Right, it helps you also, go, like, it's okay yeah. to admit you have a problem. It's also important to see that you can have fun. Yeah. And be sober. Yeah. And you can be normal. I know. And Look at us. <laughs> yeah. I'm having a blast right now. <laughs> yeah. No. Well, because people go, if, if all you do is whatever your given addiction is, you know, drinking, drugs, it does seem like, well, what am I going to do? Like all my friends who are what alcoholics, that's their, their, so, their way of thinking is, oh, I'll go grab a drink. Let's have a drink. Let's get some beers. Mm-hmm. And so you mm-hmm. go like, what do I replace it with? Or if all of your friends are from the bar or if I you know, do drugs, especially, it's like yeah. that's your whole social group. So then, then you're isolated most, if you try to get. Yeah, most of my, uh, most commu- my girls, not most, I don't know, 50% smoke weed yeah it's very popular it's a big thing i just started smoking a little for pain but i only only do it like after shows yeah when i'm going to bed because i don't like to have my shit affected and i don't i just don't want to be like i need my weed yeah i've (laughs) never liked it i get super paranoid yeah i found i mean i have one of the one of my roommates is one of those weed people they're like oh you got to try this and that and so she she knows all the she like found me the the right type of sativa but i've just been doing a lot of cbd which is the non-high just for pain mm-hmm. and anxiety and so Does that's been work? yes and oh, it's good. i did it just for physical pain but i noticed i'm a lot less anxious like i'm getting work done more because i'm doing less of the cycle panicking of i have so much work to get done uh-huh. where you're like not doing it but you're just like there's so much to do i can't do anything i, I can't make plans i have to work yeah. and it's like i just spent three hours thinking about how i need to get work done that's how my boyfriend says i act when i manic he's like you're always so busy but there's nothing you're not doing anything oh maybe i am manic. <laughs> <laughs> maybe i'm constantly just like I, I have things to do i'm a busy lady just swinging an empty briefcase i think you're a self-starter and such a hustler and a great promoter and such an inspiration that's why I had you come speak to my class. That means so much to me, by the way, because I remember when I, when the the women who came and spoke to your class, I was like, oh my god, they're doing it. Who came and spoke? I'm trying to think. I know Sean Polovsky, Liz Feldman. Yeah. Uh, gosh, I wish I could remember. Liz there is so great. Probably a few more, but Sean's great. She's headlining my show at the Laugh Factory on yeah. uh, July 19th. Sean's amazing, and I remember mm-hmm. like, oh my god, that was such a big deal to me. I'm like, Sean is one of the few women past at the comedy store, and mm-hmm. I looked up to that. And then like when I got and I found I found out we. We were in the same sorority, not at the same school, but it's just like a dorky little like fact that we were both Chi Omegas at different schools. Mm-hmm. And so like when I got past, she came up and she did the like little like Chi Omega, we had, you know, like a little Aww, secret thing. Nice. And I was like, oh my God. And she let me open for her in La Jolla. And I was like, oh, she did? Yeah. That's so cool. And I was like, this is so cool. Because she's just so funny. Like, 
I don't think I, I don't know if I know anyone who does crowd work as well as. Oh God. Like when people name the best crowd work people, it's like, like she should be right up there with Dave Attell in everyone's list. Cause like she's a fucking beast. Yeah. She's an amazing talent and one of my good friends. (sighs) She's just a good person. Yeah. I love her. Fun. Fun to hang out with too. Cause she's always funny. Yeah, she's like never not funny. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Fuck. Man. Well, when did you... So, because you don't go like... You don't like go on the road a lot and stuff. You do like Pretty Funny Woman shows like around SoCal. Yeah. I do La Jolla. Yeah. Do you feel like... Was there a point where you like transitioned from... Because I know back, you know, like a few years ago, like back probably like around the time you started Pretty Funny Woman. I know you were like like a hot hot young comedian doing all the fests you know uh was there a a turning point where you were like i'm gonna put more energy into the pretty funny women um uh, you know what people make fun of me about pretty funny women because i've been doing it since 96 and i do it every month and i it's like my baby i never had kids right yeah i started this little thing and i've grown it yes um and I've always been very focused on it and I always thought that it was the it could be an international brand. I love that. That it could be franchise. There could be pretty funny women schools all over. <gasps> I love this. It, it could be a TV show and a tour and a book and yeah. now it's a podcast. So that's my vision for it. That I love it that. will be like, you know, like jazzercise, right? Jazzercise. <laughs> that's amazing. What's well, even like the idea of like, oh, getting a a pretty funny women showcase special somewhere like a, yes. like a Netflix or something is yes. so cool. Yes. Well, I have a, I'm in a development deal right now with a company for TV shows. Hot. So, so we're working on that. Amazing. You know? Congrats. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, it's a process. You yeah. Know? I mean, it's all, Oh God, that whole, yeah. All the industry stuff. That's kind of, I think why I like, I like stand up is that there's still so much out of my control, but I God. don't love stand up comedy. I don't really? love doing it. No, I love teaching and producing. I absolutely love producing. I love helping girls write their acts and punch up their jokes. I love that's so interesting. Um, but I don't love actually doing stand up anymore. Probably because I don't have any new material. Yeah, you're like you're I'm so bored. focused on helping everyone else's. Yeah, thing I just, that you I like can't have write it. new jokes for myself. You're just giving all the jokes away. Yeah, because I'm writing constantly for my students. I'm like burnt out, and the last thing I want to do is think of a new joke. Yeah, you're like no. You know what I did on Instagram is I did a challenge 30 jokes and thir- I'm going to write 30 jokes in 30 days. Yeah. So I did this challenge and I had to post every day a new joke. It was the hardest thing I've ever done. Fuck. And I could only do like 26 days and I like, and some like days I would skip and I'd be like, sorry, I got nothing. <laughs> Today's joke doesn't exist. I'm yeah. going back to bed. God, it's hard. It, I mean, yeah, I suppose, especially when your brain is doing so many other things in the same vein, it just gets like zonked. Yeah. Well, I'm also a big proponent of, a, I think anyone who is interested in stand-up comedy, because some people, I, I mean, I've talked to comics who are like on the LA scene and they're like, people just need to get the fuck out if they like just want to be an actor. I'm very much like, if you think you want to try stand-up comedy, there's so many opportunities. Go for it. Like do a class, do an open mic. Like, but if you don't love it, like I don't know why anyone would keep doing it if no, they don't love it. No, I you, am you in love with it. You have to be obsessed. Yeah. It's like, you have to be like on fire for this and you have to want to be on stage every night. Yes. And like for me to make it. Well, yeah. To like get any traction. It's like you have to like 
run yourself into the ground with it, but you have to like just love running yourself into the ground with stand up. Yeah. Cause that's like how, how you like pretty funny one and producing. That's how I feel about stand up. Just getting on stage. Yeah. And I get, it took a while for me to accept that, that not everyone who has done comedy is like that. Well, like I, I there are a couple of women who I think have all definitely done your class, but like, um, like I lived with Annabelle for a while mm-hmm. and like, I just tried so hard to like encourage her to keep eating up because she's so funny. She's so good. And it's such a specific voice. And I was like, there's no one like you. Nope. And I would be like, in my mind, like, what are you doing? Why aren't you getting up? But then eventually I realized, you know what? Like, it's not for everybody. She doesn't love it. No, she doesn't love it. She had stage fright. We just talked about this on my podcast. Oh, I had wow. You guys go listen to that episode. Yeah. Um, yeah. Called, do you want to be skinny or do you want to be happy? Because we talked about how you gain weight on... And when you're depressed or, yes. or on me- certain medication, you gain weight, but it's like you got to Or sometimes when you're in love. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> do you want to be skinny or do you want to be happy? What a great title. Yeah. And so that was a big challenge for me to go like, oh, just because someone's funny doesn't mean they need to want to be a stand up comedian. No. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, oh, there's I just... a lot of girls that give it up and I'm like bummed out. I'm like, you're, like, you're good. Like, you know who quit doing it for a while? And then I talked her into coming back was Heather McDonald. This was really many years ago. She used to do pretty funny women shows a lot. And then she kind of quit doing it. And I went over to her house and we had dinner and I said, you're too funny. You got to come back into the fold. And she was like, "Uh I don't know. And I go, yeah, please come back. Just do pretty funny women shows. You don't have to do the whole open mic and all that crap. And she came back and started doing it. And then she got, got, I uh, helped her. She did the submission, but I helped her get a job on Chelsea lately. And now she's. And now look at her. Yeah. That's great. Well, and it's also like, she must've known you're like, listen, I'm not having dinner and telling everyone to get back into stand up Heather. <laughs> like you need to get back into stand up. No, I because she's so funny. Yeah. And when it's that's the thing to me is seeing people with unique funny voices that I'm like, oh, but there's but there's no one like you. You could do really well. But then Yeah, you just have to kind of go, well bleh. can't make people do Yeah, it's what also they like I can't force people do. to have my dreams. <laughs> yeah. Um man. Has um has your mental health ever uh, affected like classes or anything? Have you ever had to? No. No? That's good. No, I can always pull it together to teach. Yeah. But, you know, many times I don't feel like writing or performing. Yeah, that's got to be you tough. Know, I've taken some time off of like auditioning because yeah. I was depressed. But I've never missed a class due to depression. That's really impressive. I do have subs that sub in for me, which is really great. I have Courtney Cronin and Stephanie Wilder Taylor. Oh, uh, I love both of Sam them. Sam Hale teaches classes uh, for me Sam. sometimes. Yeah, she's great. And then I'll I'll have you teach classes for me if you're in town. I would love to. I uh, am pretty much gone after this until October. I know. But I'm actually think I'm like I don't want to get like my manager hears this episode get her hopes up. But <laughs> I'm thinking for 2019, a big goal of mine is to like like still do the because i make my money doing comedy but like try to sit still more Mm because i go out of my way to go like where can i tour how can i like stay on the road and now like the comedy store gives me spots and that's like okay money sometimes and like you know and i'm starting to get flown out more for weekends so i don't have to go do these huge chunks so what about colleges um i have a college agent i just need to get them a new tape and i study you'd be great I mean, I don't know. You have to be super clean, right? You do. And the thing is, is I'm capable of writing clean comedy and performing clean comedy. I shoot myself in the foot sometimes out of, it's got to be an ego thing. Because there is late night producers who have like 
flat out told my manager like well we i like there's one who's like i love her but also her comedy is not the stuff i love about her is not what the show looks for and literally a late night guy was like if she can write something clean with no substance just like a real observational doesn't have a message send it to me and he's like but in the best way i like that's what makes her great is her comedy, which is mm-hmm. like a sh- it's shitty mm-hmm. backwards. And so at this point, because I've had a tiny amount of success, I'm trying to get over the indignance of being like, well, I don't want to be, I don't want to make a late night debut and it not be who I really am or whatever. Right. Cause I know just like a couple credits would make such a huge difference On in the road. Right. Yeah. And like the ability to get booked yeah. and I have a bunch of booking agents who are like, got my eye on you you know that keep doing what you're doing but you're like can you can you do something (laughs) yeah where they're just like keep it up well it could be a challenge for you to sit down and be like i'm gonna write a clean 30 minutes yeah and so that's what i need to do instead of being like go fuck yourself you're right and that's that is what i need to do maybe i'll make it together with you and do some writing sessions that could be fun i would love that actually okay let's do it okay and we'll brainstorm and help each other yes okay hell yes good Oh, I love this. I had one question from one of my, my patrons. Hmm. Well, Patreon people. Um, do you believe that doing comedy is therapeutic for people with mental issues such as bipolar disorder? Oh my God, yes. It's therapeutic for me. I talk about it in my act. I have jokes about being bipolar. I have jokes about depression. Yes. I have jokes about addiction, alcoholism. I do too. I love talking about like just the real deep shit. And I don't know. You probably get a lot of people who do you get people coming up and going like, thank you for saying that. And mm-hmm. like, yeah. And then especially those AA conventions. I mean, you let me do one with you. I was like an NA convention somewhere. Oh, really? A couple years I ago, I think that. it was a while ago. I'm almost positive it was you, but I don't know where it was, but it was packed out. Is it in Long Beach? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And it was one of those things where I think I remember saying to you like, I- I'm nervous because like, you don't want to talk about anything that's going to like trigger anything. And you're like, no, you can talk about anything with them because they are all fucked up. Yeah. It's, and it was just the like my audience. I think that kind of broke a seal for me in talking about my really dark shit about like abandonment or going into stuff about my own like, you know, quote issues. I don't know why quote like it's like, no, they're issues <laughs> uh, where I was like, oh, it's OK to talk about this and the right people will laugh. Well, also, it's a way for me to take control of my situation so yeah. that I get to control the content and I get to control what people know about me. Yes, because it's you, like it's, it might get out there anyway. Right. I might as well. Like, and there's no, and I have no shame. Thank God I don't have shame about, like, same. Or there's no stigma attached for me. Yeah. I'm just very open about the fact that I have these issues and yeah. I'm working through them and I'm trying. I think the point of view of my act is I'm trying. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I relate to that so much where it's like, look, I don't know if this is the right thing to do, but I'm doing my best. Yeah. Here. <laughs> like, I'm just trying to get through it and figure it out. Maybe it'll work. Maybe my my act next month will be like, you're never going to believe what I tried that didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Do you find people? OK, so like when you talk about stuff that openly, I'm sure you get this because I get it. People going like, you're so brave. And then I always go like. I don't feel brave. No, I don't feel brave. Like I just like, I'm just I, talking I, about what's yeah, going on. Cause I don't have any shame. So yeah. that's not an issue for me. I'm not scared to talk about personal intimate stuff. I was scared to start a podcast. I'm scared to ask people for things. So I oh, asking like, for help. Yeah. I hate asking for help and I hate asking people to listen to my podcast or promoting myself or putting flyers out. Yeah. I don't promote my shows very rarely. Yeah, I hate, I'm like, 
Oh, I'm so uncomfortable. I can't like look at it. it. I'm like, I'm so like, I sometimes apologize for promoting. I'm like, yeah. I'm so sorry, guys, but I do have a show if anyone cares. <laughs> and it's like, and I've had people go like, people want to see you like just post. And I'm like, I, I don't know. It's, it it's feels uncomfortable to you, put myself out there in certain ways. Do you think, does your trouble with asking for help? Cause I have, I very much have like a, I don't want to ask for anything. I, I got it. Bug people. Yes. It's like, I don't want to bother you. Like, Oh, uh, I, I got it. I'll just be like crushed under the weight of something like no, no no i don't need any help carrying a couch you know metaphorically or literally like i just asked natasha Legero to headline my show uh, at the laugh factory on july 19th amazing and she emailed me back and said can i let you know in a week because i'm on an rv trip with my husband right now so i said sure no problem so a week went by i didn't hear from her and i was like oh fuck uh, i hate this but it's like you know her. people forget and yeah like, i know oh, and let me i was just like hey just checking in to see if you know your schedule yet you know and then i didn't hear from her and then i was like fuck i need to know so and I you're like i wish you'd just tell me no right so i sent her one more email and i was like i'm so sorry to bug you while you're on your vacation but i just need to know and she goes you know what it's not going to be i'm not going to be able to do it because i'm still going to be on vacation she goes and you're not bugging me it's so and nice. Like, nobody bugs me. I mean, people don't bug that's me. Like, that's the thing is like anytime someone asks, I'm not bothered. But for some reason, me asking anyone for anything, I'm like, um. Yeah. yeah. I know. My manager has helped with that a lot just out of, because asking she knows I'm like that. Well, and, well, yeah. But then also the constant reassurance of like, because I'll be like, hey, um, I'll ask her things. And she's like, that's fine. And just so you know, like, you're not bothering me. She's very much like, I know. it's okay to ask for things. Like, I, but that's why I'm here. But people who do ask for things and put themselves out there are, they, are excelling. They're excelling. And, and they're, I wonder how much further along, along I'd be. Because it I took know. me, it wasn't until two years ago I started asking for spots. We should start start asking for stuff. Yeah. We should just... Should we we should have a podcast called Help Us. <laughs> you should do anything that you're afraid of, I think. I think so, too. Just, and like, take afraid- a deep breath. You know, and I, do black tar heroin. So there was this girl, this was many, many years ago, and she was dating an agent, and she f- breezed into town uh, from of course. Canada. And she was, Here doing, I am. she was doing stand-up for like an hour, right? She was at the improv one night. She walked up to the booker of the Tonight Show who was having dinner with his family. Christ. Interrupted him and said, hey, I'm getting ready to go on in 10 minutes. Will you watch my set? And I was furious i was livid i was like who the fuck does she think she is like how dare you yeah and then i and then i had to look at that i had to go why am i so triggered by this why am i so angry because i'm afraid yeah because i don't do that myself yeah like i actually she wasn't good you're like actually had like a good act like if i asked for so what i did is i challenged myself to start putting myself out there a little more and my anger towards her went away i love that yeah i think that when you get mad or triggered by somebody that that's your biggest teacher you yeah you need to go what am i really mad at yeah yeah god there was and i think I, like i went through a i think when i started i had like a little like i had good confidence at first with comedy because i was like i feel like i'm fitting in and then something then i got like i don't wanna i don't know i've always had trouble asking for help do you think that's our moms <laughs> Maybe we didn't get our needs met as kids, no. so we were afraid to put ourselves out there, make ourselves vulnerable. We we had to kind of do it all ourselves. Yes, and but it doesn't serve us as adults. We have to no. be able to ask. Yeah, and it's like people, and I found especially people who know you and care about you. Like I'm learning this more and more. The more I get comfortable asking for help, like people want to help. Also, like with career stuff, the right people. You know, if you're not if you're not some jackass who doesn't know what the fuck you're doing and like has no business, you know, if, if you have experience and you mm-hmm. like bring the amount of like experience to the table, people 
are usually they want to see how they can help you or uh, I've found that some people are like it. I don't want to say flattered, but like I love like when people are like, hey, I would really love your advice. Yes. It's, it's it like, oh, you like look at me as someone who would be helpful. And, you know, I get a lot of emails from girls wanting to do my show. Right. And yeah. um, a lot of times I can't respond because I'm busy. Yeah. They and, get buried. And oh, if, God. And if they um, if they keep bugging me, then I'm like, oh, OK, so sorry. Yeah. You know, and then I I will pay attention to that person. Yes. It's squeaky nev- wheel. I'm never going, what the fuck is with this How person? How dare you, know? you? I'm just busy. Yeah. I get a lot of emails and sometimes I just forget. Fuck. And producing shows is so hard. Like the fact that you love that uh, is yeah astounding to me i produced a show very briefly in my front yard my front yard it is not an important venue we did get a good audience because it's in highland park so those people just don't want to go anywhere else but it was monthly and i was so overwhelmed i was yeah. like the emails i can't get back to everybody yeah. <laughs> and then well, it just the people like, pleasing probably kicked in you yes wanted to, and the panic you booking and, the, and i'm like i don't even know you but you seem nice <laughs> yeah i know ah <sighs> I love it. I love, uh, you know, you did. It was interesting. When I asked you to come teach my class, you were very good. You were like, is there a pay? Yeah. I'm only doing things that I get paid for And that's a thing that I, by the way, have had to set a boundary for myself because, especially right now, I don't mind doing like shows around town and like, and other the stage. Yes. And I don't mind. I I love helping women. Like I would love to have the time to go like, let's just do a free. If anybody really is into comedy and wants to do like a, I don't know, a boot camp of touring. I mean, I love helping my friends, but like because I'm so busy now, I'm like I gotta. And it's no, a, it's I love that. It's that been a lesson like, for me. Okay? Yeah, to go and like I'm let like, me set course. this boundary. Yeah, and I was like, oh, it's okay to ask that because I was like, yeah. <laughs> was that hard for you? Yeah, I was like, okay, it's totally normal. Lisa knows that this is totally normal. She does this for a living, and I was like. No, yeah. I would never ask you to come all the way over and teach my class. Yeah, and it's like, and in my head, I'm like, I know that. I already know. I've already done a thing for you. Yeah. But I was like, I have to set these boundaries because. No, I was, I was like uh, impressed. I was like, oh, good. She's asking for what she yeah. needs. Yeah. When I had to like nice. set a distance, I'm willing to drive to do free shows in town and go like, I'm sorry, I can't. And there've been a couple people who are like, jokily, but you know there's like it's rooted in how they really feel they're like oh you think you're too big to come do my show now and i'm yeah. like yeah, yeah i just don't want to drive 45 minutes to do seven minutes at a bar dude sorry no you like, don't need to can't that's an hour and a half i could have been writing mm-hmm. yeah uh it's great when you find people who get it and also understand that you're like oh, oh, i'm afraid but i'm gonna jump in yeah you're awesome i've had Okay, my podcast launched on Monday. And right? it fucking immediately on the charts. It was on the top 200. Yes, that's huge. For like an hour. <laughs> and then it Still, dropped. Still, you're like, there it is. Get the screenshot. That's all that matters. But I've already had like five girls email me asking me to be on it. And yeah. these are girls I've never met. They're wow. not my students. They're just oh. girls who've heard it. Who heard like, the podcast. On your podcast? And I'm like, and you're like, yeah, get in line. I'm like, I'll Whoa. pencil you in. <laughs> just literally just started two days ago. Like, how, how are you... That's great, though. Yeah, it was. Does that happen to you? Do people ask to be? On yeah, your people podcast? ask to be on mine. Um, it's but it's interesting because mine's always supposed to be like topic based. So some people are like, "I'd love to do your podcast." I'm like, "Cool, yeah." Like, do you have do you have a thing you do? <laughs> Maybe some sort of skill or like a, an topic? interesting. And then I have to be like, "What's like?" Sometimes I'm like, "I should have just done a podcast called What's Wrong with You." Yeah, <laughs> where I just like, "What's wrong with you?" But I'm like, "Is do you have a unique job or like an experience?" Yeah, like, you went and just don't want to come on here and sh- 
bullshit. Yeah, because it's like, and it does end up being conversational, but the whole premise is that I'm supposed to ask ignorant questions about whatever the topic is. Oh, like, okay, but you're not ignorant at all yeah, with know. the mental illness stuff. Yeah, I, I guess I could have been like, oh, did you get, did you start teaching classes because stand-up wasn't working out? Because I think that's a, th- mm. a stigma that people, yeah, people think of think, comedy oh, classes. Those who can't do teach. I've yeah, that I phrase. guess that is a question I should ask given the premise of the show, but... Um, I don't really... You're so funny, though. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I, yeah, I only do stand-up at my shows. I, like, I don't do other people's shows really anymore. Yeah. I don't, I just close my showcases. And you're like, that's enough for me. Yeah, and I feel quite happy. And then if I get offered an AA gig, I'll do that. Because yeah. that's the best audience. And so I get to fun. be of service, and I love it. But I don't really have any interest in, like, touring or going on the road or doing spots around town. Like, people will go, oh, you want to trade stage time? And I'm like, I, I really don't. You're like, not with you. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> yeah. You're like, no, absolutely not. Oh, it feels good to say no. Um, did you have any reservations when you first got into teaching as a stand-up comedian? Cause, only because I know there's some comedians. I don't know any comedians who are, like, high up, but just in the, like, the scene who are like, no classes so when you were doing stand-up regularly and you decided to do classes did you feel i i was i was like i hope i can do this i was kind of scared to teach like because you're who like who i think i am you yeah know? you're like is are people just gonna be like fuck you but i started teaching in 2006 amazing and i'd already been doing stand-up for whatever 10 years so much experience yeah so i just i started with my first class had uh Danielle Stewart? Do you know Danielle Stewart? <gasps> yes. God, Mary where is Patterson she now? Look, God. I love Mary Patterson. Yeah. <gasps> oh, my God. And uh, a couple other girls. I can't remember exactly, but it was just a little group of like four girls. Oh, Molly Harper. Her, Molly Harper. Okay. You know Molly Harper? I haven't met Molly. Okay. Well, just I've like heard the name, but four or five girls. That's interesting. In my living room in my, in my old condo. And was it just kind of like started because were women like hey I, I would you help me write or would you help me i wonder how it started i think it started because i was doing voiceovers for a living and i was making a lot of money but i was very bored yeah you're like, like i, I have all like, the money i need i but was like i'm not like contributing to society i'm not making a difference i'm not doing anything important it's not like creative i'm just, I'm just going reading vines. lines ingredients for life <laughs> so i i just started to do that because it was all i knew how to do wow and now it's grown and i have Three classes a week. They're full. Twelve students in each class. How many shows do you do a month? Is it just a like a couple of shows a month? That's yeah, that's impressive. And well, especially, I do the comedy store once a month. I do a sh- I produce a show called Funny Girls, a one man show, and I always have a guy host it. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I do Pretty Funny Women at the Laugh Factory once a month. Yeah, I do a graduation show once a month at Flappers. So <gasps> I, I do love three that. shows a month. That's sometimes four. Yeah, that's so impressive. No, thank you. You're like, yeah, I love it. I, I love, love that club. I love having shows at all, all the venues around town. Yes, it's like you 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 have like a relationship at every club except the improv. I did the improv for years and years and years. That's where my show ran. Well, and then years. what? They were like, "Sorry, is everyone on your lineup a levity client?" Otherwise, no. I know. <laughs> well, they're very corporate now. Yeah, I know, and that's like, and they book me, so I'm not like, but they have they just have such like, like hoops to jump through. It seems like, I or know. they have to well, take a certain amount of. 
Well, they would put all their people on my show, and then like it would be called Pretty Funny Women, and they'd put some guys on my show. And, and you're I'd like, no. Like, but this isn't my brand. This isn't my thing, so I can't do it here anymore. So then I moved it to the comedy store, yeah. the main room of the comedy store, which was phenomenal. That yeah. Was, it's a huge room, and I would pack it out, and it was. they let me have complete control of my show. They didn't book anyone on it. Really? They don't make you do development spots? Uh, they do now in the belly room. Oh, okay. But they didn't for years. Do they at least let it be only women? Can yes. you request that? That's yeah. Good. Good job, yes. Adam. And a lot of <laughs> or them, Emily. A lot of them are my students. Oh, they're former students. That's perfect. Like Justine Marino. Wow. Did a development spot recently. Um, Chelsea Skidmore. Skidmore. Yeah, it's also a testament to like your class that like people are in development at the comedy store and they've done your class. And I think I told Chelsea Skidmore to check you out. Oh, did you? To do your class. Yeah, because I met her with Nicole Amy Schreiber, who's done your class before mm-hmm. too. And um she came to our show and she didn't do comedy, but she reached out to me like, I think a few months after that and was like, Oh, I'm trying to get into comedy. Chelsea? Do you have any recommendations? She's yeah. so good. She's so funny. She was so funny. She did my show the other night. She's and, great. And then they put on this girl, Jessica Wellington, who's amazing. Oh my God. Yeah. Jessica. The, she's, a door, she's a cool person. A door lady at the comedy store. Yep. Yep. Oh, so funny. Such an interesting perspective too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's hilarious. Um, so I don't mind the development spots because they're two five-minute spots. Yeah, and it's cool that they respect the, the all-women thing. Yes, they do. Because that's like, Emily. Emily's amazing. Emily's great. She's awesome. I love She's her. such a pleasure to work with. I've had a great, great experience with her. Um, I love Jay Davis and uh, Jack Fink at the Laugh Factory. I love that. They, they are really nice to deal with. And then, of course, Barbara Holiday at Flappers. Of course. Barbara and Dave, they... Treat me like a queen over there. I, I love I just, that. I'm so happy. I just love all my relationships that I have with these people. Ah, that's so great. And I love that it was just a little five-person class and you built it into this yeah. kind of female comedy empire. I'm hoping. Slash, yeah. I, was like, I would sl- like it to be an empire. Podcast. You guys, check out the podcast. I guess we can start to wrap. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. God, I love that. so interesting because I get... Ran, like random women not random women they're female comics but sporadically going hey would you do you like write with people would you i would pay you to come write with me and i've That's nice. and i've you know in theory done that but it's always been like i i want to help you about my schedule there's a couple girls who i'm like i definitely i'm not ignoring you i just can't right now that's great but and then and i always go like oh you know i make sure i'm like you know check out lisa too but thank you it's just cool to see that you've built this thing and i'm proud of you for doing the podcast finally and look oh my god i'm loving it like you did it and i'm loving it so much i can't even because i'm getting emails from women saying your podcast is helping me i love because we discuss mental illness and addiction and tragedy plus time that's what we yes like all the dark stuff that you have to deal with oh that's my favorite that makes you funny yes and spirituality oh which is my classes are very spiritual too they are and then we we still like we like what you do you still say prayers before before every show before yes, every show I do. Yeah. was that a secret was I not supposed to well I don't know just kidding no one hear that. that they might feel like it's a little corny but I just I just say let us be our best selves let our yeah it's just sort of like a, in a better mood than happy universal it's a little powwow yeah yeah it's more of a uh, group pep talk bonding a, it's yeah. not we're like dear lord jesus no, sweet <laughs> lord jesus please with a hand heavenly like, father heavenly fa- oh father god that they, you just Wouldn't like say god weird? 800 and different I start times talking in tongues yeah i'm <laughs> like oh, okay <laughs> get out there and kill hands on the bat ladies uh all right well is there anything you want to plug 
I mean, podcast, Pretty Funny Women. When is this coming out? Um, it's probably going to be, that's the thing, um, probably in three weeks. So so it'll be, my show at the Laugh Factory will be done by then. Yes. So maybe August, no, do you have just August stuff? Please just check out my podcast. I, I interview female comics. Yes. We get deep. I'm going to get on there. Yeah. Yeah. You're, we're going to record you up. right after this. Yes. You might have already heard me on there, depending <laughs> on when our podcasts come out. <laughs> um, yeah. And then you guys go follow like uh, Pretty Funny Women. Look at, look for it on social media because she posts shows and stuff. And if you're in L.A. Yeah, please. And maybe, you know, maybe she'll that franchise stuff will take off. And yeah. New York, the world. Why not? You got to visualize it. Right? Yes, absolutely. Put it out there and then manifest it. Yes. Manifest. We'll manifest. Yeah. I'm so corny. Um. <laughs> All right. Well, well thank, thank you for doing you. this. This was so fun. Oh You're so God. easy to talk to. You're the best. You're the best. Thank oh, you. This was great. You guys, Lisa Sunstead. Check her out. Pretty funny women. Bye, Thanks. idiots. Bye, guys.